Welcome, Eagles everywhere. Eagles insider Dave Spadaro with you on the Eagles Live podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. And this week we are on remote. Uh, we are on location, I guess you could say. We're in North Philadelphia at the Allen M. Stern Elementary School in the Frankfurt section of the city. It's the 23rd annual Philadelphia Eagles Playground Bill 2019 version. So in just a bit, we're going to hear from linebacker Camus Grugier-Hill. We'll hear from Eagles chairman and CEO Jeffrey Laurie about integrating the football side of things and the community side. We also want to start with some news of the week. The Eagles in their second week of the organized team activities. One more week to go and then a mandatory minicamp at the Novacare Complex. So all is going well for the Philadelphia Eagles on the football field. Very strong week of practice for this team as they look ahead to training camp at the Novacare Complex and then of course the 2019 NFL season. For the Eagles though on this day it is about being in the community so literally everybody in the organization including the cheerleaders including swoop everyone they take part in this playground build the staff comes out early in the day and they work on building some of these structures that are here some climb structures seesaws some safe play areas for the kids and then a, about five murals painted as well by the staff and then the players and the coaches all come out and finish off the job. And it's really a beautiful bit of work by the end of the day, turning something that is drab into something that is really spectacular, not only for the children at the school, but for the entire neighborhood. So let's begin our Eagles Live podcast one-on-one with Eagles chairman, CEO, Jeffrey Lurie. Jeffrey, can you believe it's been 23 straight years of doing this? It really is amazing. Uh, You know, when we started it, we had no idea that we would ever uh, continue it. It was like an idea to let's just go in the community and have a day of service. It's been such a great experience for the kids in all these pla- in all these schools, and for us as an organization, bringing everybody in the whole organization together puts things in perspective. Is that the vision that you had? Not just this event, but everything that the Eagles do in the community. When you bought it in 94, did you did you kind of hope that this was what it would become? I, I did. I really wanted us to be a, a, a franchise known for being community first. And, you know, you try to do the best you can on the field every year. And we certainly are obsessed with winning more championships. But you can be a great community uh, company year in and year out, and that's what we really strive to be. Do other teams ask you about the success you've had in the community? They, they do. Other owners will come up and say, how did you, you know, integrate so well with your city, and what do you guys do, and what's it like? And they have, you know, a lot of people are doing great things. Um, I just know we got the most incredible fan base anywhere, so anything we can do to give back um, it's just very fulfilling. I guess, I mean, we've both been here for 23 years doing this. I, I, I don't think I took it for granted, but then when Chris Long said recently that he really, he singled out the Eagles for the way that this organization blends the community and the football, and I thought, boy, this really must be in, in among 32 teams and in the sports world, it must be quite unique. Did you, do you remember when Chris said that? And, and I know Chris said that. You know, I, I think it, our culture is we don't separate ourselves from our fans and the community. It's we're, we're all in it together. 
And um, we need the fans to win big. We need our culture to win big. And we need our talent to win big. And so I think just on a daily living basis, we don't separate ourselves from those who are so supportive of us. And there's so many problems in America in cities today. Um, there have been for decades, but it's particularly bad now. And um, we, we can be part of the solution in a, in a small way every day. Yeah, and it really does open your eyes each year when you go out to these different parts of the city, how many, how many parts need help. It, it is, David. And it's also, you know, by paying attention to a community, a school, it gives the kids pride in that they are cared for, loved and appreciated and their futures are appreciated uh, and it's of concern so it gives them I think a sense of uh, belonging to something and they belong to us we belong to them it's great Jeffrey thank you you're welcome thanks so much to Jeffrey Laurie for joining us here on the Eagles live podcast when we return to the Eagles live podcast linebacker Camus Grugier Hill joins us the Eagles live podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group Share the tradition of Eagles football with the young fan in your life with an Eagles Kids Club membership. For just $20, members receive an amazing welcome kit, invites to special events like the Halloween party, opportunities to win Eagles prizes with monthly contests, and so much more. Visit PhiladelphiaEagles.com slash Kids Club to sign up today. Time now for linebacker Camus Grugier-Hill to join the Eagles Live podcast. And again, we're here at the... 23rd annual Eagles playground build. Last time I talked to you, Camille, it was after the uh, Eagles Autism Challenge. It was actually during... It's incredible the way that the community is such a big part of what the Eagles do. Did you have any idea that that was the way it was going to be when you got into the NFL? Uh, no, to be honest, I had no idea. And, um, you know, it's just amazing to see. You know, I think they said something uh, like 29,000 students now have a, a safe environment because of the Eagles. And, I mean, that's just... Uh, that's just mind blowing to me, you know. What I mean, uh, to see the effectiveness and the um, the way that um, the community can just come together and, and get things like this done is just um, it's just amazing. So you grew up in Honolulu. What kind of environment were you in? <laughs> um, actually, so I was born in uh, Honolulu, but then I moved to Big Island, and where I did, I kind of grew up um, there, and then I came back for high school to Oahu. But um, you know, it was me and my mom, my older brothers and stuff were out of the house already, and um, you know. It was, uh, my mom worked like, you know, two, 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 two jobs and, um, she, but she, she always made it feel like I, you know, I had something. She never made, made me feel like, uh, like we were struggling and stuff, even if she was. And, um, you know, I think, I think her for that every day. And, um, I think, um, you know, just having the opportunity to be here now is just, uh, and see other parents and other, other kids kind of grow up, um, even worse, way worse than I, I even could imagine. Um, you know, it just makes me want to give back. It certainly it makes me think that you have an appreciation for getting to this level. I mean, it was not an easy journey for you at all. Oh, no, not at all. Yeah, I definitely have an appreciation for it. And without my mom, she's number one. There's no way I'd be here today. Camu, how'd you get into football? Because when I read your bio, it says volleyball, soccer. Um, did you have dreams as a kid of being a professional athlete? Uh, yeah, you know, growing up, I, me and my, my family is big soccer family. Um, all we played was soccer, soccer, soccer. And um, I got to a point where I just, like, wasn't enjoying it as much. And I moved, like I said, I moved uh, to a different island and was playing with new kids and stuff. And, and it just, I, I just felt kind of out of love, um, 
out of love with the sport. And uh, actually, when I got to high school, I started hanging out with all the football players. So um, my going into my junior year, one of my friends was like, hey, just she, just come try out. And I was like, all right. So I ended up trying out, making the team, and the rest is history. What is so hard about learning football um, I guess at age whatever, 13, 14, 15. It's a very difficult game to, to learn the nuances, right? I mean, even to this day, I, I learn things every single day, you know. And, um, you know, as a kid, you're kind of just running around. I remember my, my – I really didn't play much my junior year, but so senior year was the, the only time I really had off um, on the field. But, you know, I was just running around like a chicken without his head, you know. Um, but, you know, there's so much more that goes into it. You don't even realize the game is, is, is really just about situational ball. You know what I mean? Executing in each situation, whether it be there's a huge difference between even, you know, second and one compared to second and seven. The way you play those two two plays are completely different. So um, as a kid, you know, that's not really things you're thinking about. You're kind of just going to the ball, running around and stuff. Um, and so, yeah. So how in the world did you go from Honolulu, the big island, to Eastern Illinois, which is where exactly? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Charleston, Illinois is exactly where it is. But um, like I said, on, my only film was really my senior year. And um, my same best friend that got me into football, um, he got an offer from East Illinois somehow. And uh, the head coach, Dino Babers, he actually played his uh, college ball at the University of Hawaii. So um, that's how that connection happened. But I guess one day, he it was, it was like a week before signing day, and he I didn't have an offer yet. And... He went up to my best friend and was like, "Hey, do you have anyone else that can play?" And my best friend was like, "Yeah, you know, check him out. Come, I have a, a one of my uh, boys back home. Just maybe some, uh, you know, check him out. Come look at him." He came and literally offered me on the spot. It was like I said, to this day, it's it's just the grace of God, and um, that's what changed my life forever. I, uh, me and my mom, I didn't even have a visit to Charleston. Nothing. Just took a flight. Me and my mom. And I remember being in the middle of cornfields, and I, when I first got there, I looked at my mom, and I was like, there's no way I can stay here. I can't do this. Um, you know, because I never left Hawaii in my life. And so, um, yep, she's like, well, I got one ticket, and it's for me, so I got to go back. So have fun. <laughs> you look around, you go, where's the beach yeah, here? Yeah, there's, uh, it was quite the, uh, uh, the culture shock, but it was, it was definitely uh, life-changing, and I mean... I would I would never take anything back. So how did you how did you go from there, Camus, to becoming a sixth round draft pick? Which I mean, look, it's the honor of a lifetime to get drafted in the NFL. What was the progression? What clicked for you? Um, I think. Well, after those first two years, my freshman sophomore year, the the coach that recruited me uh, left to go to Bowling Green, and we got this new coaching staff in, and I was you know felt a certain way about everything, but it actually, like I said, there's been so many blessings in my life. Um, that really just changed everything and took my game. Uh, I met a coach. I met two coaches, actually, that really took my game to an, to the next level. And they sat me down. And, like, even after my sophomore year, I was still kind of just running around, you know, doing, like, just, just a kid that's just chasing the ball. I didn't really know uh, too much more than that. And they really sat me down and like, hey, if you if you really settle down and, and learn this game, you can really have a future. So I really took the time in, um, met with them a lot, and, and just learned the game. And, um, you know, just things kind of clicked. And after that, it was just, yep. And then from there, you go to the Patriots. Uh, you learn about the NFL the hard way. You get cut after that first summer. Um, I, I wonder what, you know, look, you're a young guy. You're in this crazy place, New England, all the way, long ways away from Honolulu. What does go through your mind at that age? 
Well, for me, it was it was it was uh, it was really hard because I had you know a former teammate from Eastern Illinois, Jimmy Garoppolo, up there at uh, New England. So it was a friendly face, you know, it, it perfect fit for me. I was like, this is you know this is where I want to be, you know, all this kind of stuff. And when I got cut, I really didn't know what I was going to do. I um, they wanted me back on on the practice squad, but I I was like, sure. I mean, if that's my only thing, you know, I'll do whatever to to stay or whatever. And um, the Eagles picked me up and. Uh, I just remember my agent saying, you know, you got to get in your truck, load it all up and drive five hours down south. And I was like, all right. So I, I remember getting the hotel here in Philly the next day and I was just I was speechless. I didn't know what to think. And I didn't know a single person in the locker room. You know, the only person I, I, I kn- knew by name was maybe Zach Ertz, you know, and um, um, other than that, I it, it was it was hard. It was definitely hard. And I mean, even, you know, halfway through the season, I was like, dang, this is uh, this is different. I don't know. You know, if this is going to be like this every year, so um, I don't know what I didn't know what to think of it. But like I said, there's been so much blessing in my life, and it just turned out to be the greatest journey. Camus, as you look back, what what got you through? I mean, um, faith, maybe some time you had as a kid, words that some somebody said to you that meant something. What, what as a 22 year old, 23 year old kid in Philadelphia, not sure if you're going to be around the week after? Like, how do you get through that kind of stuff? Because I don't think fans really have an appreciation for the day to day stress. Yeah. I think uh, for me, you know, faith was was number one for me that just it just clicked because, um, you know, when I look back at my journey, I just saw so many things that 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 I wanted one thing a certain way. And, 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 you know, God was saying, no, I think you should. This is the way I want uh, I want it to be played out. And it ultimately was always the best for me. So, um, you know, meeting with guys like Trey Burton, Jordan Hicks. Chris Maragos, Jordan Matthews, Zachers, Carson Wentz. You know, I mean, those are those are my boys now. And and I think, you know, just like I said, I think God was like, just hold on. I got something better for you. And um, looking back now, I wouldn't have traded for anything. The journey even then, you've become a starting linebacker in the NFL. You've kicked in. the I mean, you've kind of said, hey, anytime anybody needs me to do anything, I'm your guy. Is that the way you were raised? Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I just I. I my mom, my mom, you know, used to be at games pulling her hair out because I'd be that kid throwing fits on the side. I was just always so competitive. I wanted to be the best at no matter what it was. Like, I played every sport possible. And even though if I wasn't the best, I was going to find a way to be the best. And so I think that's just, you know, um, that's a credit to my brothers, too, just always pushing me. And um, I think when I, when, after I got cut, it was a real reality check to me. And I, and I, I remember just saying, whatever it is, I don't care if I'm uh, you know, linebacker, special teamer, if they wanted me to play freaking receiver, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out there and give it everything I can and, and try and be the best at it. So um, that's what really got me through everything. Camus, is it harder to make it to the NFL or to stay in the NFL? <laughs> that's a tough question. You know, everyone's, everyone's, uh, I think everyone's journey is a lot different. And uh, for me, I think it would be, um, you know, from us, it's hard to say either one. I, w- I would have to say it's a little bit of both. You know, you gotta uh, to get the. For me, being a small school guy, I had to really, you know, produce and and um, really shine at the pro days and the combines and stuff. And then um, once I got here, I was you know just another guy. So it's I had to push again more and more to to prove I belong. So for me, it's kind of a little bit of both. I don't know. A lot of other guys may have a different answer to that, but. Did you make a lot of money as a sixth-round draft pick? That that signing bonus was it like the most money you'd ever seen in your life? Oh, hands down, not nothing even came close. I yeah. think um, I think 
I didn't even know. I when I opened up and I showed my mom, I was like, "This can't even be real." Like, and we were kind of just both uh, we both cried about it, and you know that's six round stuff. So, um, you know, it's been it's been a blessing. Hey man, six rounds six round money is more than most twenty two year olds yeah, make. Did, yeah. did you did you rush out and buy something? Did you throw it all in the bank? What'd you do? I I handled some stuff that uh, that. Um, I thought came first, you know, I like I had some like you know, a car loan and all these kind of loans and stuff or whatever that I uh was dealing with at a time and then, you know, I had I had some fun after. <laughs> so so you you've been a Super Bowl winner, you've started in the NFL. Compare the thrill of winning the Super Bowl, that feeling, to getting the start your first time in the league, which is more of an individual accomplishment, but an accomplishment certainly that is worth recognition. Like you said, I think it's it's two vastly different emotions. Um winning the Super Bowl was I, I'm getting chicken skin right now thinking about it just because I, it's um I'm chasing that again. That the, the, there was no feeling better than that, and being able to look at your teammates and just be in the locker room and and just being like we're we're world cha- world champs and um um you know as an individual start that's just for me that's something that I remember coming off the field after my first series and it was like this is amazing, like like you said it's a very uh, individual accomplishment but. It was, like you said, another feeling that I couldn't lose. How big were the crowds at Eastern Illinois? <laughs> yeah, we always joke about this. I think we had more. Uh, we have more people at our training camp practices than I did at uh, uh, any home game. So it's it was quite the quite the change. Do you hear the crowd, or do you know, or have you? I've talked to players. They say they block the crowd out absolutely one hundred percent. I think the crowd uh, when I first got in was a huge factor to me because I wasn't used to it, and you know, just having that many eyes and just so many voices. Um, but now it's it's like white noise. You you're not really you know I'm focused on you know what's what's across from me and and all this kind of stuff. And you know when we're having fun too, we like to get the crowd involved. So that's that's always fun. But uh, to the to, to the game aspect, it's not so much of a factor anymore to me. All right, here on the Eagles Live podcast, we like to play games. So I've got two games for you. First, we're going to play five questions for Camu Grugier Hill. Camu. Camu or Camu? Camu. It's Camu. Yeah. I really apologize. No, it's fine. It's it's been a you know. How do you, how do you get people? How do you educate people? No, I just back home it's it's just kind of like the way we talk and in the language, the Hawaiian language. It's just that's how it's pronounced. But um, Camu. yeah, it's just a long a. Camu. Yeah. Camu. All right. For Camu Grugier Hill, five questions. Here we go. Number one, what is on your playlist on game day? I got a very strict uh, playlist actually. So in the morning, I start out with some slow jams or some country. Leading up to the game, it's, it's mostly always country. I don't know why. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big country guy. Um, and then I don't listen to any music until we, after we come in for warm-ups. And then um, it's usually a rap. Uh, I get a little worship in. And then um, I, I do some house music. Right before we head up to the tunnel, it's always house music. And your mindset, I guess, is is raging at that raging, point. Raging, raging. Yep, exactly. <laughs> All right, number two. Uh, in addition to the music, what kind of superstitions do you have before or during a game? Um, I'm not very superstitious. I think the the only thing that I, I will say is, if I play uh, a game and I play really well, I'll I'll try and wear the exact same like outfit, like look wise, as I did that the, the previous game. And um, so if you see me switching my outfit a lot, I'm not playing too good. <laughs> All right. Very good. I, I look forward to you wearing the same thing every every game this season. What is the best advice, number three, that you've ever been given? That's a hard one. But um, I think for me, you know, one that always resonates in my mind is is do what you need to do to, to be great. And um, 
what that means to me is you know everyone's different you know you, you we have so many different personalities and different guys on the team you can't expect um to be compared to someone else you need to be your own type of individual and um you know obviously you're gonna have role models and and guys that you looked up to but you know you need to set yourself apart and and say what what do i what can i do every day that's gonna get me better Sounds good. Number four, if you were not an NFL player, what would you be? <laughs> my, my family does a, a, like a, um, general contracting back home, so I think I'd probably just be right, right in on that. And I think we're actually going to start a little something next year. Um, so, Economy uh, booming down there? Uh, it, it does well. It does well, yeah. People, I mean, everybody yeah. says, hey, let's move to Hawaii. Everyone wants to go to Hawaii, so, I mean, it's always a good market. Yeah. Great. You were a kinesiology major in, uh, what was the hardest class you ever took? Uh, probably anatomy. I don't think I would do well in that. Your best friend on this Eagles team, question number five. That's hard. I got a lot of, I got a lot of friends. No, I'm just joking. Uh, you know, it's hard to see, you know, I've had a lot of my, my really close friends leave, uh, like Jordan Hicks, you know, Jordan Matthews and Trey Burton, like I said, Chris Maricos. But I think... Uh, you know, Zach Ertz and Carson, I'm really I'm really close with. Yeah. Very cool. All right, here we go. The Camus game is going to be on hyphenated names. Camus, Camus Grugier Hill is hyphenated, of course. All right, the, this may actually be before your time. The English-Australian actress who starred in Greece, what's her name? Um, oh, I know this. I actually just saw this the other day. Um, her name's Sandy, right? Yes. Oh, I can't. I don't know. I can't think of it. What is it? Olivia Newton-John. Oh, okay. This actor, a method actor, won three Oscars. The who? He he acted. He was uh, Lincoln. I'll give you that hint. He was Lincoln. He won three Oscars. I have not. Daniel Day-Lewis. All right. Basketball. Now, if this is before your time, then I'm going to feel really, really <laughs> old. Basketball player famous for the skyhook. Uh, uh, um, Kareem. Very good. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. St- actor, star of the movies Bloodsport and Kickboxer. Uh, Van Damme. Jean-Claude Van Damme is correct. And then the actress in Menace to Society and Madagascar. What's her name? Jada Pinkett Smith. Nicely done. So, you, so you're okay on the on the hyphenations. Uh, what's a typical day like? We'll, we'll wrap this up now. Spring is OTAs. You get in the building what time? You leave what time? I think right now... Um, I'm in the building around 6.45. I get some breakfast. I got treatment. And then we have a team meeting around uh, 8. And then, you know, we get our lifts in. We get our meetings in. And then we hit the practice field. And we're usually... Then we get a couple more meetings after practice. And then it's treatment. And after that, it's just kind of recovery. So Excited about what's going on? I'm excited. We got some really good guys on the team. We got some good characters. And um, it's going to be it's gonna be a fun year for sure. Kamu, you're wearing the arts and science wall. It's time to get back out there and build a playground for these kids. I thank you so much for joining us here on the Eagles Live podcast. No problem. Thank you for having me. And we thank Kamu Grugier-Hill for joining us here on the Eagles Live podcast. Thanks to everyone. Thanks to Chris Barletto. And thanks to the Eagles fans. And thanks to Peter Kelly for putting everything together here. Thanks to all of you for being part of it each and every week. Thanks to Jeffrey and to Kemu for joining us here. And all of the people who are working on this spectacular day. A hot, steamy Wednesday in North Philadelphia. All for a great cause. The Eagles, once again, making a difference in the community. And, oh, by the way, putting together a very, very exciting football team for the 2019 season. 
Thanks, everyone, for joining us here on the Eagles Live podcast presented by Lincoln Financial Group. I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadaro saying, have yourselves a great Eagles day and fly, Eagles, fly.